Welcome back to Word and Table, a weekly podcast about liturgy, sacrament, and the great tradition of Christian worship and why it is vital in our world today. I'm your host, Alex Wilgus, and I am here, as always, with Father Stephen Gauthier. Welcome back, Father Stephen. Uh, Good to be back, Alex. Father Stephen is the canon theologian of the Diocese of the Upper Midwest in the Anglican Church in North America. And today, Father Stephen, I wanted to drop a pretty heavy topic on you. It's one that we amazingly have not talked about yet. Um, and that is the subject of the Trinity, the idea that God is three in one, or, or, or he's one and also three, he has three persons. Um, and uh, yeah, I just this is something that is universally acknowledged by Orthodox or Nicene confessing Christians, um, but we haven't really talked about it yet. And, and as far as I, I know, this description of God is completely unique among world religions. No other world religion believes in the Trinity. So let me just first ask you, Stephen, what, how did Christians arrive at, at believing in the Trinity? Well, that's a really uh, good point. Remember in the, in the letter to the Romans, you know, we ask questions, what can we really know about God? It's a really good question. We know that um, God can reveal himself. We have that in the Old Testament, right? the story of God revealing himself. But what about people who didn't have that? What about pagans, people who didn't have the advantage of that? And Paul, in the letter to the Romans, says in the first chapter, he says, you know, um, he says they're guilty talking about their conduct, various immoral conduct, because he says what's the truth about God was evident to them, you know, his power in creation. So he argued there are certain things we can, can know about God, basically that God exists. Mm. And that God is good and powerful. That is obvious to anyone, even with that. We call that the general revelation. Yeah. To any human being, basically our senses and things and our mind should be able to, from looking at the world around us, to see that there's something bigger than this. There's, there's a God, and right. that God is good, and that uh, God is powerful. Right. Okay. With the revelation to Moses, we find out about the one God. Hero Israel, the Lord of God, the Lord is one, the one God. Mm-hmm. And we have, um, looking back as Christians, we see elements in the Old Testament, for example, at creation. God, the Father, made the heavens and the earth, but we say the Spirit, right? There's a wind or a breath, the Spirit hovering over the waters. We have okay. God said, like Jesus, the Word of God. So we could see the Trinity there. But that certainly wasn't something that was conscious to, to Jews of a, of a Trinity. Or let's say again in Genesis, the famous episode, we have the three angelic visitors to Abraham. Uh-huh. And again, later on, we see those in the light of the Christian scriptures as, as the Trinity. Mm-hmm. In the, we sometimes call it the Old Testament Trinity is what the Orthodox like to call it. Mm-hmm. But again, that wasn't in the Old Testament. With a specific revelation from God, it still wasn't clear. that God, It was clear God was one, but it wasn't clear in that revelation that he was three. Sure. It's there, but it wasn't clear. Okay, yeah. What happens in the New Testament with the incredible God revealing himself directly in Jesus Christ, God himself revealing himself in Jesus Christ, at the heart of that revelation is the fact of who God is, that he's one, but he's also Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Mm. So that's the, that's the core of the New Testament revelation, because even the economy of our salvation is tied up with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So the Trinity is not something that we could arrive at by our own um, intellect looking at the world. No. Um, and it wasn't something that even uh, after the God did pre- specifically reveal himself to Abraham and throughout the Old Testament also was not clear, but it only came with Jesus Christ. We could only know it through the, the self-revelation 
in Jesus Christ. Okay. So, um, so talk about what the Trinity is. Can you can you describe the the three persons of the Trinity really quick? Well, yeah. Let's talk about the, the essence of the Trinity. Is first of all, there is one God. Our faith is the faith of Israel. Every you know the Shema, Hero Israel. That every Jew prays every morning mm-hmm. and every evening. The basic prayer, the prayer you have on your lips as a Jew when you die. Mm-hmm. You know, God willing, that's what you want to have the last words on your lips. Yeah. Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord He is one. Mm. So the, there's one God. But what we find out, that one God, in that one God, we have three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so one God, three persons, one God. And we talk about, there's sort of a procession we have, again, why we call the Father, you know, we have the, we have the Father. Uh-huh. The Father begets the Son, okay, and we, uh, we also talk about, and then, from the Father through the Son, we have the Holy, precedes the Holy Spirit. So there's uh, sort of a procession uh, there, we say, you know, the, the Son. In order. In order. Yeah. Although it's important here, we think of order, we think of sequence, that means there was, step one has to right. be before there is a step two. Okay, yeah. For but that's not true here, not because right God isn't to subject to time. Okay. So even though there's a connection, you, they're inseparable. Okay. There was never a time there was a Father without the Son, for example. Think of it this way, it's sort of like... The sun and its rays. Yeah. The rays come from the sun, but you don't have one without the other. Right. They're always together. Yeah. They're, 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 from the very beginning, there's never a time there's a sun without the rays. Okay. okay. Think of it yeah. like that way. It's, yeah. it's trying to, as close as I can think of it, something that might be a, a good analogy. Sure. So it doesn't mean like, well, here we had sun sitting around and then come the rays. No, basically the two sort of go to, or the heat, the, you know, the, the, the sun and the heat. Right. Uh, imperfect analogy, but you have the idea that it's, it's not a temporal thing. We talk about Jesus as begotten before all ages. Mm-hmm. So before there was, it's not a matter of time. Yeah, Arius famously thought there must well there, there must have been a father before there's a son, but it's a relationship. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't involve time. And then we have the Holy Spirit is proceeds from the Father through the Son. Okay, and the, and again we talk about Christ being begotten. You know, generation, you'd be begotten. The Holy Spirit, we talk about being breathed. You know, the Spirit means breath. Yeah. And so that in theology, it's called spiration. You know, yeah, it simply yeah. means breathed. So the Father, the Son is begotten of the Father, and the Holy Spirit is breathed of the Father. Okay. In the Western Church, uh, we often talk about something called the filioque, the Father and the Son, breathed together by the Father and the Son. Okay. That's something the Eastern Church does not agree with. All right, yeah. So the idea that the Spirit proceeds or is breathed out from both the Father and the Son. Right. A common, there's one principle, as they'd say, in the Western theology, there's one principle of the Holy Spirit, you know, the source, and that source is the common source of a common breathing of Father and Son. Okay. The Eastern Church would say that the uh, the Spirit is breathed from the Father through the Son. We get the, the Holy Spirit comes from the Father through the Son, not from the Father and the Son together. Okay, I see what you mean. Yeah. But we have the idea. We have the Father. Uh, but uh, So we have uh, three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And those relationships describe the difference. You know, the, you, know you can't have a Father without a Son. Right. Or vice versa. That's what makes it. They're, they're descriptive of what separates them. The Father isn't the Son. It's uh-huh. not the Holy Spirit. And yet they're, they're all... Simply one God. They have one operation as well. What that means is, remember in the New Testament, you might say, well, gee, who raised Jesus? Because Jesus says, no one takes my life, I put it down, and I'll take it up again. Right, right. Who raised him from the dead? Right. Yeah. Uh, We're told that the Father raised Christ from the dead. We're told that Christ is raised by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Those are all true. In theology, what we'd say is that the Holy Spirit, the Trinity has one operation. Okay. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they work 
do everything that they do, but they, they do it in their own way. So it's not like uh, the sun is over here doing something with us here on earth and the God and God is God the Father is over here taking no, care totally of the stars and, and the Holy Spirit is somewhere else. It's that they're all doing the same thing at the same time. Yes, but, no, doing, but doing it in your unique way. So God okay. the Father doesn't die on the cross. Right. The son dies on the cross, but the Father is giving a son to the cross. Okay. So it's almost as though they almost take up different tasks of the same operation. Yeah, they have one operation. It's traditionally what we say, theology. Sure, One sure. operation. And they also mutually indwell in each other. There are fancy terms for this. The Greek term is called uh, perichoresis. Mm-hmm. And uh, what we traditionally used to say in the West is circum, uh, circumcession. Okay. But I guess people don't say that much anyway. They like the Greek term more. I've but definitely never heard either youth, one. In my view, circumcession. <laughs> but it simply means where Jesus says, you know, the Father abides, I abide the Father. You know, we're, we're, we, there's an indwelling. Because they share one essence, Father, Son, Holy Spirit dwell in one another. Okay, okay. The Father isn't the Son, but they dwell in one another. All right. The Father abides me, I abide in the Father. The, all the language in John about abiding right. in that's always been so confusing to me uh, because there's, it seems like there's so many little formulations of that, like mm-hmm. um, abide in me and I in you and I in the Father and the Father in me. Well, <laughs> and the all. idea was simply is if I abide in the union, I abide in the Father. Mm-hmm. If you abide in me by virtue of doing so, you will then okay. abide yeah. in the Father. Okay. That's the promise of Jesus. That's yeah. how do we enter into this life of God. We'll always be creatures. God alone is God. But part of our, our great hope, our salvation, is where we're actually being, this, the Father sometimes talked about being breathed up, you know, the Holy Spirit. We talk about exhaling, but inhaling, being breathed into the life of the Trinity. Mm. You know, we mm-hmm. share God's life, you know, participate, participants in the divine nature as we're, uh, as, as we're, uh, sure, as we're sure. told. So, um, yeah, so that's basically three, you know, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you know, and uh, three persons, or hypostases, as they say in Greek, you know, uh, you know, the three persons, the one usio, the one essence, they're all God, one God. There's only one God, uh-huh. indivisible. When you have God, it's always God. Yeah. The one, not a, not a one-third of God. You always have God. Sure. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Again, the Son proceeds, but for, there's never a time without. Okay. So this maybe complicates how the Trinity was explained to me when I was a kid. Uh, I remember being told that the Trinity was something like an apple. Like, it's one apple, but then there's the skin of the apple, and then there's the, you know, flesh inside the oh, apple, yes. and then there's the core. Uh, is that a good analogy or not? <laughs> well, I, I, normally the more common one is um, it's like an egg, uh, you know, oh, like an right, eggshell yeah. with an egg yolk with the egg yolk. That's actually a very Same bad idea. analogy. Okay. <laughs> it's well intended, but here's the trouble there is it makes it uh, sound like, you know, the trouble, use the egg analogy, which might be easier to follow because, you know, you, mm-hmm, you can mm-hmm. talk about that there's the egg yolk and the egg white, and there's the eggshell. Sure. And all together they form an egg, but the toy, those would be separable. You know, they're, they're just right. parts. They add up. One isn't the other. Okay. And the critical thing about God is there could not be a father without a son. Mm. There couldn't be a son without a father. They are inseparable. Yeah. yeah. By, their, by their nature. There's only one nature. Sure, sure. So it wouldn't look like an egg. It would, you, <laughs> there, you, you, there's no parts of God. I mean, you, you yeah. have, there's one God. Okay. He can't be divided. And Jesus is the second person of the Trinity is not one third of God. So those who see, you know, seeing Jesus doesn't mean you're just seeing one piece or part of God, but you're seeing him in his, in his fullness. Right. Uh, yeah, we, we, when we encounter God, we encounter God. You yeah. know, there, there's one, there's one essence. So the trouble there is it gives the idea like we have like three parts. We, can, we can't split God into three parts. Sure. God is 
utterly one. Right. Okay, so what about the analogy that, okay, so you've got one God, but then is is it that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, are they just three different names for the same thing? That's a good point. Like you know, the classic thing would be like something like, like think of yourself. You, you're um, your husband. Uh-huh. You're a married guy. You're a dad. I am. Right. You're a citizen. Right. Yeah. Uh, and we could say, well, gee, he's all of those things, but it's just one Alex. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, and so sometimes people are trying to say that uh, we, uh, that it's basically uh, three different names, uh, you know, for, uh, for, the, for the same thing. Right. From different points of view from which, we, you know, when you're at work, you know, might be thinking you're a catechist. Right. <laughs> and soon to be a deacon. That's true. Uh, yeah. Right, in a couple to, weeks. Uh, soon to be a deacon. Uh, you know, this, but, you know, but basically they're just different terms for one and the same. There's no real difference. They're just different perspectives okay. on you. But no, the father is not the son, is not the Holy Spirit. They share one being they're, they are, they're sure they're one God, but you know, th- there is a distinction. Father okay. is not son. It's not Holy Spirit. So it's not just a matter of referent. Like we're just no. re- referring not to just the same thing reference. by different names. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the the other analogy that I always heard was, um, oh, it's sort of like the same thing, but in three different states. So like like water versus ice versus steam. Exactly. And I'm I'm pretty sure really quick that uh, God was the water, the sun was the ice, and the Holy Spirit was the vapor. It seems to kind of go together, right? <laughs> it's attractive, but we call that modalism. Okay. Because basically it all comes down to H2O. We're simply saying yeah. that it's the same H2O. It's just simply takes different forms, but at any given time, it simply is the same thing, simply in a different form. Okay. The Father is not the Son, is not the Holy Spirit. A classic thing we have, look at this is right from Scripture. You might say, gee, this sounds like a lot of theologians had time on their hands. But let's look, you know, talk, Christ talks about his love for the Father. Uh-huh. You know, the Son loves the Father. He's talking about the only begotten Son before all time. This is in John's Gospel, the Son loves the Father. He tells the apostles, he said, you know, it's really in your interest. I leave you, and he's about to die. Uh-huh. If I didn't, I couldn't go to the Father so he could send you the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. So there This are... is completely inconsistent with the notion, this is just me. Right. No, right. I have to leave you. I have to return to the Father uh-huh. so we can send you. you know, right. Which, well, the Father or the Son, both are sent. Send the Holy Spirit. Right, okay, yeah. You can't have... You know, an ice cube saying, I have to melt so that then I can, it's just all the same thing. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, because there's, they're separate. Clearly the father here, I have to return to the father. Okay. Yeah. Not that, the, that I will become the father. I return to the father. So the father sends, you know, clearly this. Another thing interesting, I would talk about this would be in first Peter. It's interesting. We talk about the, uh, the Holy Spirit spoke through the prophets, right? Mm-hmm. Peter tells us in the very first chapter of his first epistle, he says, well, you know, that spirit is Jesus speaking because it's the spirit of Jesus. Hmm. That's the idea of the one operation. Right. So he actually says Jesus is basically explaining to the prophets about himself. Yeah. That's the point he makes. It's the spirit of Jesus speaking to the prophets about himself, those things about what was to come. So, again, that's the idea of the common operation. Sure. So, okay, so... Is there an analogy that might work if I'm trying to explain this to someone? Well, this is, yeah, this is, and there's a reason for it. Augustine, of course, our greatest, I think, of our historic, of of our Western theologians in the Western church. The Eastern church has not always been completely happy because of the uh, certain aspects with um, with sin. Uh But with uh, with Augustine, our our favorite probably in in the Western church, the first thing he told us, why do those analogies fail? 
he tells us, Augustine, when he says, well, they probably fail because, again, God isn't physical in things. A lot of the analogies we have are the idea, for example, to be separate for us means to be separated, like, by time or by space and things. And those sure. things don't exist, you know, you know for, for, for God. God. Okay, so, so, so the, the problem with the egg, with the ice, is that we're talking about an object suspended in space and time. And God's not any of those things. Yeah, the very nature of the world around us is subject to conditions which don't characterize God. So he says, what's the closest thing I can think of that comes to being God-like? He says, well, what about the image of God in people? You know, mm-hmm. we talk about the image and likeness of God. He said, well, maybe the operation of the mind would be an analogy. Like, all analogies has limits. But what about, we talk about, our, we have one mind. Our mind, we could distinguish between our memory, our intellect, our will. Hmm. Okay. You yeah. know, our memory, our intellect, our will, it's still one mind. Yeah. And there are yeah. different applications of that mind, and they're not the, but you know, it's the one mind at any time we'd say. We're not the three different minds within us, our memory, our intellect, our will. This is Augustine's, you know, but that might be because we wouldn't have the idea of, you know, somehow the physical separateness sure. that we might have with the physicality or temporal. It's, it's just all there. It's just a different uh, uh, functioning, very okay. real difference. The memory isn't the into- intellect, it's not the will. But they all work together. They all work a, together. Yeah. They're one. They, they are together, working together, and, all, and they always work together. Sure, sure. Okay. They, form, yeah. they always work together. They form, you know, one mind. Oh, okay. So that was Augustine's uh, uh, analogy. All right, I'll remember that. I'll remember that next time I have to explain mm-hmm. the Trinity to someone. <laughs> yeah, they'll stay away from the water. And they, but, okay. but that, or like the uh, one problem we have with the famous St. Patrick, a great man, of course, and certainly loved the Trinity. But the trouble with his the analogy of the three-leaf clover oh. is, uh, think of it this way, is one of the things that's unique about the Trinity is, uh, again... With a clover, if you took off a leaf, it would still be a clover, mm-hmm. right? If you two-leaf clover, or if you had a four-leaf sure. clover, right? As the song goes, I'm right. looking over a four-leaf clover. <laughs> and so the essence of God is he couldn't be less or more than three. The right. Father couldn't exist without the Son, without the Holy Spirit. Hmm. They all mutually depend upon one another, and uniquely. Okay. They exist in this perfect tension. They could not exist separate. There could be no more, so the three, and there could be no less. So three in three persons is not just kind of an arbitrary number. No. It couldn't have been more or less. Could not be more, could not be less. Okay. So I guess that rules out also the uh, the fidget spinner analogy. Have I have you heard of this? It's yeah, that thing where you you, you turn it around and it's like again when a wheel goes, all we the don't, kids we don't, we don't notice the spokes. Kind of looks like a three leaf clover, except it's on a gyro and you kind of spin it around in your hand. I, I've seen some people float that as an analogy for the Trinity, but but the trouble again as <laughs> as an image, technically speaking, is that um, the fact is we could have just two. I don't think like three on the spinner or something. Yeah. But if you could have four, it'd have the same effect. You could still, you could have more, you could have less. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the Trinity by its nature is, there's one God. It's absolute oneness. One cannot exist without there. There can be no more. There can be no less. There is a father. There can't be a father without a son. Right. Right. Okay. You know, you know the essential interdependence, you know, they're distinct. They're not the same, mm-hmm. but they absolutely exist in union. They can't exist apart from it. There can't be more. It can't be less. Sure. So I I think my last question, Stephen, is, um, you know, why is it, why is this, why is the Trinity, and again, Nicene and, or Nicene confessing and Orthodox Christians all agree on this, is that the doctrine of the Trinity is not an optional doctrine. No. Uh, It's not something that Christians can, you know, disagree on without, you know, without running into major problems. So, so why is, you know, is the doctrine of the Trinity, which admittedly is a hard thing to grasp, but why is affirming it um, so crucial and central and important to our faith? 
Well, it's the fundamental truth about God. We talk about, you know, God is love, as John says. But what does that mean? And practically speaking, what we say that even within God, there's that sort of space that's created in the oneness of God by Father, Son, and Holy Like Augustine liked to talk about, you know, the is the 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 father's gift to the love to the son is the holy spirit you know looking at it that way that we sort of see how god works yeah in that way sort of creates that's that space within the one god of Mm -hmm. love of of self-giving the love of father and son as holy spirit yeah um but also i think in very practical terms it helps us to understand how god not only how god reach has reached out to us but how we come back to god which is very important so we know that uh, the Father, he, he reached out to us in Christ, right? That's the story of the Incarnation, the second person of the Trinity. Yeah. His eternally begotten, becomes incarnate. So it's, but remember Jesus tells us, he says, no one comes to the, uh, uh, anyone comes to me, comes to the Father, comes through me. There's no other way to the Father. However, right. no one comes to me unless the Father draw him. And how does the Father draw him? It's the, right. Holy, the Spirit. Holy Spirit. Yeah. So basically, just as God comes to us, God you know, the gift of the Son, the incarnation of the Son, and through the Son, the gift of the Holy Spirit, yeah. going to proceeding in the same order of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, be God inspired. We go back the same way. It's the Holy Spirit that brings us to the Son, that gives us the conviction that recognizes sure. Him, His truth, which brings us to the Father. Okay, so we start with the Holy Spirit. And right, the Holy Spirit is God's action. It's when it says, uh, Paul says, God is at work in us, both to will and to work. That's the Holy Spirit. Yeah. One thing that helps us in ministry, you're a catechist, is always helping. We talk about bringing people to Jesus, realizing we can't do that. Or we, we, we bring up the gospel. We realize at the end of the day, we're not going to persuade people. It's God's work and it's Holy Spirit. Yeah. It's the Holy Spirit that brings the conviction. Okay. So even though it's all through Jesus, but the fact that part of that gift is Jesus is, I send the Spirit. Right. It's that spirit that's at work that brings us to recognize the lordship of Jesus, to turn to him, to say yes to him, to receive that grace. I can't that affirm the Father. I can't affirm that it is absolutely impossible for me alone as a pastor to convince anyone to yes. worship God. <laughs> it's it's it it yeah. absolutely has always been I, I've seen it in people's lives, the Holy Spirit's it's conviction. Always God's work. And that's yeah. why the sin against the Holy Spirit is the unforgivable sin. It's how God works in us. If we turn down the Holy Spirit in the sense of um, if we refuse, that's how God works in us to bring us to right. saving so how knowledge. Could, how else could we access the there, Father? Yeah, it's, yeah. So that so that so you would say that by denying one of the really by denying one of the pieces of the Trinity, say the Holy Spirit, say the say the Jesus, we're we're not just you know disagreeing about what God is like. We're denying ourselves and maybe even others a crucial part in the path to God. Right, I think it affects how we live. Again, mm-hmm. how, again, how we see God actually working in our lives. The essence of the church, when we talked about, you know, what is the church, is it's not just analogy of the body of the Christ. It's where, it's where we find the living spirit of God, the spirit of Jesus, his life breath. You know, it says, the Lord, the giver of life, mm-hmm. uh, who proceeds from the Father and Son. This, we, we find the, the Holy Spirit at work in the church. He's at work in our lives. He brings us to Jesus, the only way to the Father. But we're prepared to see the fullness of how God really who God is and how he acts in our lives and how we come to him. Right, right. He brings us, he draws, the Father draws us in his spirit to his son, which is the only path to him. And that brings us to the Father. The God may be all in all.
Well, great. Well, thank you, Father Stephen. Um, that's all the time we have left for this episode. And thank you for listening to Word and Table. We'll be back next week with more on liturgy, sacrament, and the great tradition of Christian worship. Thanks for listening.